0: have in this case over here, you can, I'm sure, recognize it right away. These are artifacts from the kinder transport. And there are two survivors who, sadly, neither one is, is alive anymore. But you can see... Uh, That's I'm the sure voice
1: of Belle Darneski, the, Bell Darnesky, the executive director of the Winnipeg Holocaust Education Centre. And she's taking me through the exhibits on Zoom, of course, not in person, because I'm in Toronto, and she was in Winnipeg. The Holocaust Centre is reopening this week after a renovation worth nearly a quarter of a million dollars. And as Holocaust museums go in Canada, Winnipeg's is among the smallest. It's also the newest. It opened 25 years ago in 1997. But in recent years, museums have been changing their approach to teaching about the Holocaust, especially because they can no longer rely on the 40,000 Holocaust survivors who came to Canada after the war and volunteered to tell their stories in person. So Winnipeg, like its bigger sister museums in Toronto, Montreal and Vancouver, are now adding technology and interactive displays to give visitors a meaningful experience.
0: Our pièce de résistance is an interactive table where there are, uh, I think, a little bit more than 25 individual stories. And of course, this can all be added to over time since it is electronic. I'm Ellen
1: Besner, and this is what Jewish Canada sounds like for Thursday, January the 26th, 2023. Welcome to the CJN Daily, a podcast of the Canadian Jewish News, sponsored by Metropia. Well, with the rise of anti-Semitism around the world, including Holocaust denial, Canadian governments and Jewish groups have been focusing on Holocaust education as one of the key tools to combat the problem of hate and racism. In Winnipeg's revamped museum, they're taking a new approach. Instead of focusing only on how the Nazis murdered 6 million Jews, visitors will get a more nuanced picture now of the rich Jewish life and culture that was lost, and also how the survivors lived and contributed to build Jewish Winnipeg after they got here. It also covers modern-day anti-Semitism and what that looks like. To do it, it meant gutting the space inside Winnipeg's Asper Jewish Community Campus, ordering new display cases, even taking out phrases in cards that were used in previous years to refer to the Roma people, who were also victims of the Nazis but are now considered offensive words. For Belger the museum's revamp is also personal – her late parents' own survival and arrival stories are now more prominently showcased. And joining me now from inside the Holocaust Museum in Winnipeg, we're getting a preview before the public gets to see it, is Bel Jarnevsky, the executive director. Welcome to the CJN Daily. Thanks for doing this. Thank you for having me. What I know from being in the building years ago was that you st- a person who enters used to come through replica doors that look like a train, car a boxcar from the holocaust
0: i'm going to walk around to the entrance and then i'll have because the entrance is actually locked but yes the cattle car doors are still there and i will show you so here are the doors and the footsteps on the bottom that um, are meant to represent how people were crowded together on uh, the trains and the different sizes of footprints representing children adults men, women, etc.
1: I asked Belle to walk us through the display changes that focus more on who the survivors were as real people, Jewish people with hobbies and how they celebrated holidays before the war. There
0: are many things that we really felt weren't included in the previous exhibits that we wanted to change. And one of the, the main things was to show that all of the people, all of the, the our survivors and, and all of their families who were murdered, had very uh, uh, lives before, that there was uh, a life before the Holocaust, that there was a very rich and diverse culture, that they came from many different countries. And as you can see, our curator has put this together, artifacts and, and wonderful photos depicting this incredibly diverse life of, of our survivors, which really gives us an even better understanding of, of what was lost. Um, we have the accordion here that belonged to a family of musical prodigies and um, they uh, were hidden. They had an incredible story. They all survived. You know, that the old uh, saying that pictures uh, speak a thousand words. I mean, they really do. Um, there's a picture of Walter Salzburg in the front window with his brother sitting on the back of an elephant in the Warsaw Zoo. And the brother didn't survive. And it's just, these they're wonderful. And the way the curator decided to put them in, you know the kind of picture frames that you would have in your home just brings a degree of intimacy, I think, that, that is really lovely. We have a Talmud here from uh, published in 1860 from Seget in Romania. Uh, and also, uh, it, and it's in the window, um, after the war, my father worked for a company that bought silver items from the Germans uh, to be melted down to make knives and forks, etc. And once in a while, he would come across something that was clearly looted from Jews and he couldn't bear to have it melted down. So he would buy it. And one of the things is, uh, is a chanukia that um, is more than 200 I've had it appraised and it's more than 200 years old and um, so so that's part of the so this
1: whole window is new there's nothing there that was there before or that's mixed in
0: Um, other uh, things that we've included in this exhibit that we felt were really important were the contributions of our survivors to our community also uh, anti-semitism in Canada which is often left out and which uh, we find that students don't necessarily learn about school, but it goes much further than just the St. Louis. You know, there there were boycotts against Jewish businesses in the 1920s, um, the quotas in the university, and the fact that in many places, including right here in Winnipeg, there were a lot of fascists in the 1930s, and we talk about the rally that took place with the KKK on Sherbrooke Street. I mean, all of these things are, are really important for people to remember. And um, so there's that. And then also on this back wall you're looking at right now, uh, that used to be a large photo of Auschwitz. And we decided that we wanted, instead of that, we wanted to, especially now, with fewer and fewer survivors uh, left. We wanted to show the names of all of the survivors who ever settled in Winnipeg. And we, we had a lot of information in our archives um, and we also reached out to the public. And so at this point, there are 1,050 names in here and they come up alphabetically in a loop. It's, it's quite beautiful and quite moving. Um, you know, when people stand here and all of a sudden they see the name of someone that they knew or a loved one. So
1: getting rid of the stereotypical picture of Auschwitz in favor of those who survived, what does that represent? What does that mean? Well, the
0: entire- especially, because
1: your family was also part of those people.
0: The entire museum is is entitled a tribute to our survivors. Every artifact in this museum, which which is what really makes this museum very unique, belonged to survivors who settled in Winnipeg. And we have um, a very wonderful archive and it's a small space here. And so one of the things we needed to do is find a way to include as much as possible of their stories and the the larger story around it of the Holocaust um, in a small space.
1: I asked Belle how the new space is going to be used by visiting students from Manitoba schools.
0: There's a screen that comes down, so we can fit up to about 60 students in here. And we were already getting requests for uh, presentations in the museum, which is wonderful. Um, there's a school from outside of Winnipeg, St. Pierre, that registered this morning. And uh, so the screen comes down and I can do, a, a I or volunteers can do a presentation on, an, on an, we offer presentations on the Holocaust on anti-Semitism, on anti-Semitism specifically in Canada, on Judaism, um, which is one that I'm going to be doing soon. Um, and uh, you know when the kids come in and they they see these artifacts that are connect that be- they know belong to people who lived right here, it's very meaningful to them.
1: okay, let's talk about that in the invitation and the announcement that you're going to be having this ceremony, you said that it's a it's it's called a new vision. Yes. Why do we need a new vision of Holocaust education now?
0: One of the main factors is our survivors are are aging. The youngest ones are nearing ninety, and many of the others are um, they should be healthy and happy and uh, well until uh, one hundred and twenty, but they're in their mid nineties or more, and. COVID has been tough on them. We've lost a few. We we have come to that date where we know we don't have those witnesses to present to kids anymore. And so we have to find, we had to find a way to uh, preserve their stories in a way that would be interesting to young people. Um, we've been able to preserve many, many stories this way. We will also have Uh, It's the last piece that's coming in, hopefully today or tomorrow. Um, We're the only full site, connection site, to the visual history archive of the Shoah Foundation. So people can stand and watch not only all the Canadian interviews, but uh, there's, I think, more than 55,000 Holocaust uh, interviews uh, and also interviews uh, ongoing of survivors of other genocides.
1: I guess back to the question about a vision because I'm not really uh, understanding mm-hmm. besides about how it's shown and what is being shown.
0: Mm-hmm. It seems
1: to me that you're celebrating those who survived as opposed to showing everyone who died, and it's a different take. You got rid of the Auschwitz, and you're celebrating the, the people. I mean, it's so, both.
0: It's both um, because there are, you know, for instance, I'll I'll just show you over here. Um, you know, it's also what was lost, uh, uh, which is you know, very clear here, Um, even though the artifacts belong to the survivors, they also illustrate what was lost. So for instance, this is my father's first child who was murdered in Treblinka uh, shortly after this picture was taken. Um, And the stories that are in the interactive table certainly tell, in each case, the very difficult... uh, Experiences that the survivors had and the families that they lost. But yes, it's it's a tribute to their courage to, to rebuild their lives, which we know is uh, so incredible and inspiring in the face of what they suffered.
1: I'm so honored that you showed me what was your steps or half sister's name? Half brother, Moishala.
0: And um, my one of my four kids, one of my daughters had uh, a second uh, little boy less than a year ago, and she gave him as his middle name, Moishula. It has been said that
1: too much time is spent and too much money these days Um on Holocaust museums and not, much, not enough time on talking about what Judaism is, how beautiful the religion and the contributions of Jews to the world. So when you mentioned that that's part of your exhibit, it's what you, and you're gonna be doing a Judaism lecture. Uh, yes. Teaching what Judaism is not just to kill, how they were killed.
0: Yeah, I, I mean, I think, I, I don't agree with her completely. I think that Holocaust education is extremely important Um, And not only because of the Holocaust itself, but because genocide continues, because anti-Semitism continues, and uh, it teaches so many different things like uh, personal responsibility. I mean, uh, but I think that learning about the Holocaust must be also accompanied by learning about what Judaism is, who Jews are, etc., the diversity of, of Jews, And um, for a long time, uh, I and and many people feel that this is really something that uh, should be taught. uh, You know, not just about Jews, but about all different faiths and backgrounds in elementary school. Um, And unfortunately, as I'm sure you know, there are many people say, "Oh no, 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 we can't put religion in the school." And um, there are, of course, the world religion courses that you can take in high school. But uh, we need to teach kids early on and. it's it's an ongoing it's an ongoing fight i think
1: now i know it might be a little bit hard to visualize what she's talking about this is a podcast after all but we have a video of it and so we're going to post it soon on the cjn's youtube channel and that's what jewish canada sounds like for this episode of the cjn daily sponsored by metropia integrity community quality and customer care And speaking of survivors ahead of the International Day for Holocaust Remembrance, we'll end the show with some free new books that you can download, thanks to the Azrieli Foundation and Penguin Random House Canada. They're releasing five new audiobooks, audio versions of memoirs that were written recently by Canadian survivors. And what's cool about it is the Holocaust survivors themselves are doing the narrating rather than actors. You can get these audiobooks for free until next Friday February the 3rd, and then after that, they'll go on sale to the general public. We put the link in our show notes. And here is Judy Cohen, one of the survivors from Hungary. Judy is a CJN listener, by the way, and she is 93. Prologue. That year, 1944, everybody came. The believers, the atheists, the orthodox, the agnostics. Women of all descriptions and of every background. We were about 700 women jammed into one long barracks.